Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Please note, all season one episodes were previously recorded for our video series. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. For today's episode, we have Andrew Wynn, the founder of Be Your Own Boss Live, Build Your Own Brand Live, and he's going to be here telling his story, and we're going to be figuring it out and hearing all his misadventures of entrepreneurship. So Andrew, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of a deeper introduction of yourself? Wow. Um, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here um, um, or for inviting me to be here. Um, how long do I have? Is this like a one minute intro or like a... Take as much as you, as much as you like. <laughs> okay, cool. So I'll kind of go through the um, overarching um, kind of highlights. I, um, I'm a graduate from Hampton University. Um, you know, storyline is parents wanted me to be a you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, et cetera. I was supposed to be a pharmacist. Uh, I went to Hampton University because that was the only school that accepted me into their pharmacy program. After my very first year, I failed. Actually, after my very first semester, I failed every single class. Uh, I realized um, that I absolutely suck at science. I hate science. I cannot stand science. Um, But of course, with my parents, um, just coming over here as immigrants and just, you know, not knowing, not, I'm going to say not knowing too much, but wanting a better life, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, yo, just stick it out, you know, whatever you need, um, you know, we want you to, to graduate six years, six figures, right? That's what all the pharmacy students used to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just, I just really couldn't do it for some, odd, I don't want to say for some odd reason, like reason, it, it was just really, really hard for me. And um, I couldn't stay awake in class, all that good stuff. I eventually... Uh, found a, found enough courage to even just like see what other options were out there. And so I found uh, our school had a five-year MBA program and I figured, okay, you know, this is a master's degree, you know, it's better than, you know, a bachelor's degree, you know, let me change it over. Surely, you know, my parents won't be um, that mad. And um, <laughs> I switched over, um, but I was very scared and I didn't tell them. Um, by the time they found out a year later, um, went crazy. Um, went berserk like yo like if you want to get an MBA you know go to the University of Maryland that's where I'm originally from you know two thousand dollars in-state tuition versus twenty two thousand dollars you know for for a private institution um, and so for them you know and I get it it just didn't make logical sense um, and everything for them just very practical very logical um, but at the same time though what happened was um, I really started getting it started really getting introduced to what I consider my first kind of um, steps and taste of, of what personal branding, what building a business and stuff like that um, looked like. I remember one of the very first things I did was, um, and I'm the type of person where I just kind of look at the market and I see where the holes and the opportunities are. And from there, instead of saying, well, I want to do this or I want to do that, or this is my passion, like I just kind of, again, it's a, a problem and a solution. I think that's the fastest way to make money and the fastest way to at least start building um, some revenue and some income and then maybe using that to kind of leverage off in other things. But um, hey, I'm in a dorm room with full of males and we're all broke. And I said, hey, let me cut, you know what I'm saying? Let me cut some heads. 
and it was like five dollars a head, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I'm putting a sign up on my on my dorm room, and I just cut, you know, five ten heads a day, and I started to build a lot of uh, friendships off of that, and you know, started to use that money that I had. I, I didn't have any money coming into college. Literally, like maybe fifty bucks in my account for maybe some pizza delivery job you know when I was 16 um, but I started just making money from that and using that money to enjoy myself throughout college and buying food and you know whatever else you bought in college but um, I started doing that and, and that really got me a taste of like yo like you know I'm, I'm making some money you know this is pretty cool um, what I also noticed at the time was um, being a, as it, it was an HBCU I noticed that um, the DJ there he was a senior and in my mm-hmm. mind I said okay cool if he graduates Who's going to take over? And, and with it being an agency, like there's music everywhere, like in the calf, during the day at 12 to 2, like at night, like outside, inside, like there's always music. So I was like, yo, like this is kind of, this is cool, but like he does everything. And when he graduates, who takes over? Mm-hmm. And um, he, his name is DJ Tay James. He went on to become Justin Bieber's DJ. Uh, the DJ before that was... Uh, DJ Baby Drew, which was Chris Brown's DJ. DJ before that was DJ Envy, which was on Breakfast Club. So I started researching, started understanding, like, wow, like, Hampton has this, like, long lineage of super successful DJs. And I just started thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if I could jump in and, you know, dabble around and see if there's any opportunities. I remember going up to DJ Tay James. I was like, hey, you know, I can do what you're doing. You know, give me a shot. He was like, whatever. And he blew me off. I was like, whatever. I used the money, but then I went back to my dorm, started studying. I used the money that I got from cutting hair, right? I had saved up like $100, $200, bought, you know, my first set of speakers, brought some little DJ mixers, shipped them right to the dorm. Everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. But I was like, yo, I'm telling you, I'm predicting the future. Like six months to a year from now, he's going to be gone. Somebody has to take over. And so I, I got all this stuff. I started just practicing. I started uh, really just building my own uh, reputation and brand by just doing a whole bunch of free apartment parties and this and this and that. And that really started building a brand and, and a name for myself, right? I already kind of stood out, so kind of that helped too. And of course, being good at what I did, um, really, you know, as soon as people were thinking like, yo, we need a DJ, you know, I, I started to become that, that guy and I used to be called audio. That was kind of like audio, the DJ, that was my name. So everybody in the school, my teacher, my deans, like I branded it so well that everybody called me audio. And, um, and so basically fast forward a little bit. Um, I remember the, uh, this was 2008, the night that Obama got elected, um, into office, right? The first, his first term. And um, they needed a, a, a DJ for the on-campus election party, and Tay wasn't available. So mm-hmm. um, somebody had called me and said, hey, man, we need a DJ. Tay's not available. He has to go to D.C. and do this, this, and that. We only have 40 bucks. Can you DJ? Mm-hmm. I was like, hell yeah. That's more money than I've ever had in my life. I'll <laughs> take it because I was only making $5 an hour. Now it's $20 an hour. Let me take that for two <laughs> hours. And, and I did it, and obviously it was already gonna, a good night. Mm-hmm. Right? mixing some songs make it a party next thing you know like come monday you know the election it was on the newspaper i i was on the front cover like everybody was kind of talking about how awesome the event was and from there it kind of just started really like building a building building that all happened my freshman year so so I take it a step back. That was on the front end. On the back end, I was failing all my classes. I was on the verge of getting kicked out of school. You know, I lost a little mini scholarship that I had. And my parents um, had just found out and wanted to pull me out of school. And, and I got to a point where eventually when I told uh, my parents, 
Um, so I use all that to say like all this momentum was being built up and just a lot of faith and favor was being built up. And, and I remember when I finally had the discussion, my, my, my dad was just like, well, if you're changing your major, we're not, we're not going to pay for your school. And I was like, I was like, dang. And I was like, but I was like, nah, like for some reason I know like I'm supposed to be here. I can feel it. Blah blah. He was like, we're not paying for your school and we're not going to support you. Don't come home. Don't talk to us. If you feel that. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I remember specifically my dad just telling me because he was so gung ho on it. And I, and I understand where he's coming from, but it's a very, very conservative old school mindset. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a bet, you know, I had to bet on myself um, and, or, or I had to listen. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's all in either or. Right. And I know a lot of people might have go, go through this, especially younger people. And so you just kind of have to make a bet. And I was like, um, again, I, I kind of just remember my father was like, yo, we're, when I, when I made my decision, I was like, you know what, I'm going to stay. I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I remember my dad was just like, yo, basically like, we're disowning you. Don't call us. You know, you're a disgrace, blah, 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 all this good stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. So after that, um, my mission was to just like find money for school and figure this out and figure out where to stay. And so that summer I didn't go home. I was just like hanging around couch surfing, sleeping in my car, sneaking into dorm rooms to take showers, like all this stuff. Um, working for the cafeteria ladies. I was like, yo, I need to eat. Can I just like pick up the ketchup? Nobody knew all this was going on. Um, and then I also ended up enlisting into the Marine Corps. Like, that's how crazy it got. Like, wow. I was like, all right, man, I just need money for school, y'all. Like, <laughs> y'all, who's going who's gonna to give me money? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I ended up actually enlisting into the Marine Corps. I, I shipped myself down to Paris Island uh, the summer after. I did three months uh, um, at Paris Island, South Carolina. Graduated from, from, from boot camp. You know, then figured out my way back to school. And, I mean, a lot of it was just pure just just like trying to live and trying to follow my dream type of stuff. Um, you know, after that, the next couple, the next couple of years, I will say that once I kind of got back into the school system, the next three, four, four years, um, I grew the brand tremendously well. Um, this is when Twitter, Facebook stuff really started popping off. So I started to understand mm-hmm. how that cut the middleman. And, you know, I was a direct distribution. I could talk to the people directly and tell them where to go. So I was more than just a DJ. I was also the promoter. I was also this. I was also the host, this and that. And so I understood and kind of saw how that naturally worked. And um, it was cool. It was awesome. Um, by the time I got to my fifth year and I graduated my MBA, I was DJing like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was making in like six figures in cash. Like it was really dope. I had the opportunity to pay for school and all these cool things. Um, and it, I, I just hustled because like I, I knew I couldn't go back to where, you know, I didn't have any other options. So yeah. there was just a, a consistent mental hustle. And then after that, I graduated. I took a corporate job at Pepsi. I told myself that, yo, even though I was doing good and even though there were potential opportunities for me to continue the entertainment industry, I wasn't too gung-ho on it. I, you know, I saw a lot of things I didn't like ultimately. And so I told myself, you know, not only did I not want to become a, 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 a DJ, but I didn't want to just be talent. I didn't want to be a solopreneur. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, which means I wanted to build a business, have employees ultimately step out of the business and for it to still make money. And so it required a different type of mindset, a different type of business um, kind of system and, and, and model. And, um, but I was like, I need to save more money. And so uh, I went into a corporate job. I went into Pepsi, learned the back end, the system, the process of a big Fortune 500 company. At the same time, I started my marketing agency. And what I realized was ultimately beyond DJing, what I really loved 
was more than just the entertainment and music scene. I loved branding and marketing myself to become that DJ, yeah. right? Like that's what I really found out. Like it, it was, brand in that business and so started marketing agency i tried my effort at the time um bakari i turned him into a fitness brand took him on tour got him sponsorship got him news radio tv and kind of at that point i was like yo like i'm actually pretty good at this and that kind of really spurred kind of the oh, the beginning of the o agency i remember working you know five minutes 5 p.m. They come home then 6 p.m. to like 12 1 2 uh, for the O agency and I was still DJing too at the time so I almost had like three jobs but within one year I was able to leave my job three months later we signed our first pro athlete D'Angelo Hall from Washington Redskins to an off the field marketing branding social um, nonprofit kind of development mm -hmm. and um, I always say once you do a good job for one guy it's like yo here's my guy here's my guy here's my guy so over the past three four years we've represented and worked with dozens and dozens of different pro athletes, a lot of CEOs, entrepreneur, executive entrepreneurs in the personal branding um, um, and digital space. Um, BYOB, right, which um, like you said earlier, uh, stands for Build Your Own Brand, is a platform we launched just last year. Um, and for us, uh, as I've grown in the past four years, I've seen so many things in the tech scene, in startup scene, in you know, all these big conferences that I've invested into, but I know that my peer group haven't been able to have access to, whether it's just a level of comfortability, whether it's a price barrier, whatever it may be. And I was like, yo, like, I want to bring all this information, connections, knowledge, experience, you know, to um, my peer group, which is predominantly, um, we call it underrepresented business leaders and entrepreneurs. So a lot of women, a lot of uh, minorities, people of color, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and that's kind of how BYOB um, started. And we started last year and we started doing workshops all across the country. And we hosted our very first conference this past May in DC and had over a thousand people show up. And so to me, it tells me that the people, um, thank you, the people believe in what we're doing. They understand what we're doing and um, they appreciate what we're doing. And so we're excited. We're getting ready to launch. Uh, we actually already launched the BYOB retreat next year um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and we're anticipating about 2,000 people there. So we're really excited to continue growing and building. And um, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, I'm going to pause up for a little second because I don't know if it's my computer that was freezing, but it was freezing a little bit. But like it kept, it came back clear. So um, I'm going to just jump into the next question now. All right. So thank you so much, Andrew, for that great immaculate introduction. So we got to know a lot about you. So I'm going to pick a little bit at some of the stuff you mentioned in your introduction. So you mentioned that your family, your parents were from yeah. your family. So where um, does that heritage lie? Like where are your parents from? Uh, Vietnam. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I'm also... Um, I'm gonna get myself to. Were you born in Vietnam or were you born here in the U.S.? No, I, no, I was born here. Where, where are your parents from? Uh, Jamaica, but it's the same story when it comes. to hundred percent. You know, so my. All right, it's breaking up again. It's when I hang around her all the time for family. Could you, could you repeat that? Cause I didn't hear anything. So you said. Yes. So I said my best friend is is her parents are from Ghana, and and I hang around them a lot. I 
down, I really think African and Asian parents are exactly the same. Like the way that um, the way that they kind of just like um, uh, the way they uh, demand just like respect and do this and do that. And these are what we want. Like it's literally like things. So even though a lot of people that might not have Asian parents like me, um, definitely if you have African parents, oh, we're kind of definitely on the same page and understand a, a lot of the similarities. Yep, it's the same thing. Doctor, lawyer, nurse, um, accountant, those are your job routes. And if you go anywhere else, it's like, oh, what's wrong with you? But when you come back home with a little bit of like money or yeah. like, you're like oh, okay, you come back. Oh, so did they accept you back? Like, <laughs> did they undisown you? I mean, to be honest, the story isn't really like done. Uh, I'm still not that close with them. Uh, they don't know too much about what I do. It's just, it, it, it's just so much. Even me, like my life has been a whirlwind. Like I literally moved to a different place every six months and it's hard to even explain sometimes, you know, I, I kind of just want to come home one day and maybe like write a big check to them and you'd be like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> it's hard to explain what I do to them. Yeah, I definitely hear that loud and clear. I am in the same exact boat. Um, my folks and my family members are like, oh, what do you do? Or why don't you have a job? And it's like, they're like, oh, why are you home? I'm always on the computer. And I'm like, I'm yeah. working. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah. I definitely can understand and resonate with that. So what has been the craziest adventure that you've had so far, or the misadventure, as the series is called, that you've had so far while building the O agency? Wow. Um, so specifically the O agency? Um well which part of my life? You're talking about college life, O agency life, or BYOB life? I would say O agency life because you have, it's like it's um it's you and like other employees and, and you have like employees and like yeah, a, yeah. so like yeah. what is like a crazy misadventure that you would have never thought of beforehand that happened uh, while having O agency? Oh pfft. okay, cool. <laughs> well, I'll take this several different ways. So the O agency has definitely been a very interesting journey. Um, I think, I think, I think the craziest, um, I'll, I'll give a couple kind of scenarios. So I kind of mentioned a little bit like, man, like seriously, like, and mind you, I think the crazy scenario is what I put myself through knowing that the vision and the outcome I could possibly gain, but nobody around me understanding, right? So it's a very, that's why it's almost like very lonely for a lot of people who kind of go out, because you see what the potential is, but it almost doesn't make sense because it's A through Z and not A to B to C to D, which most people need to see in order to understand how to get to Z. But you see that in your mind. So for me, it's like, remember, I was already bringing in like six figures, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I was just living so frugal. Like I was still eating like ramen noodles. I was just being very cheap because I was still trying to save money because I knew that I needed money in order to take it to the next step or to do this next thing or to constantly invest in myself. And the level of frugality and, the, and how hard I was working was so funny. Like I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning. Like to go into a little bit more detail, I wasn't waking up at four o'clock. I had to be at work at five, easily 12 hour days till 5 p.m. I would go home. I was, I was DJing for Hampton because I still had contracts for their like basketball and football games. So I would drive, I was in Richmond at the time. I would drive an hour and a half. <laughs> oh my gosh, so bad. So I kind of skipped the part. So even when I was working, I'll be honest with you, I was just like, I was taking advantage of my job so bad. I was, 
I was like, because I was out in the field a lot. So sometimes I would just be out in the field, but I would go home or go to my own clients or do other things. I was just like, it's totally not recommended, but that's what I did. <laughs> and I, then, I, then I left my job. Um, I would drive an hour and a half down to Hampton, DJ basketball game, six to eight, eight to 10, drive an hour and a half back. Uh, get home at like 12 then try to put in another like hour or two for the old agency and then wake back up at four o'clock right so that was kind of like my life for an entire year um and a lot of it was adrenaline i think i think there's two things that was keeping me going a lot of it was number one is, is, is adrenaline just the excitement to see things moving and like doing something that a lot of people weren't doing and then the other half of it was was Pepsi's fault because they had a lot of energy drinks and I was getting it for free, <laughs> which is not recommended also, but like I was like downing it and I, I was just so wired, but you know, it is what it is. But even throughout this process, like I went through a lot of things. Like I, there's a specific time that I remember like I had brought on a couple of employees. Um, this doesn't really have to do with the business, but it's just funny because I remember even like getting robbed at gunpoint and my life was like almost over. Like I was in Richmond. You know, because what you're doing is, you know, at the beginning, like you're also, you're always trying to maximize your, your income. So, you know, you might do side hustles, you know what I'm saying? You might be selling things on Craigslist and, you know, taking your Christmas gifts and selling them and, you know, mm. might even drive Uber and might even doing this. And so I had multiple little things going on too, just to stack up my bread. And I remember trying to sell a cell phone that I had gotten for Christmas and I was just dumb. I was dumb. And so I, I call this a men's metric just because it just, it sounds like it, but like, I remember selling uh, an iPhone on Craigslist and this guy, like so many things just didn't seem right. But I was, I, I was being over just zealous and, and, and trying to sell this phone and trying to get this money that I was texting this guy and he was like, yeah, I don't have a car. Can you come to me? And I was like, yeah, sure. And it was late at night and it wasn't a public place. And all. But I was like, in my mind, I don't know why. I was like, I want to sell this. You know, all I was just like, all the signs were there. All the signs. And so I drew, and so you know what? I left and I, I even brought one of my partners at the time with me. And I actually brought a knife too. And I was, I was, being, I was being funny, but I brought a kitchen knife with me. I was like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Just in case. You know, my partner at this house, like, you want to come with me? She came with me. We went and like, I pulled up to the, the apartment complex. Guy came out, jumped into the car. And I was like, it's a little off, a little weird. But I was like, yo, why are you in the car? And he was like, yo, you got the phone? I was like, yeah, you got the money. And next thing you know, like I take it out. Next thing you know, he's like, yeah, I got the money. Comes out, pulls a gun and points it straight at my head. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then I go ahead and just grab the gun. And now we're like wrestling back and forth. He grabs the phone and we're wrestling <laughs> back and forth. And I, then I took my knife and, and his chest was right over, over my knife. And I was like, man, if I stab him, he might pull the trigger. And oh, then we just get into this crazy mess. Like, In my mind, all this was going on. Eventually, I just dropped my knife and he pulled back and he ran away. And I don't know, like, it's just all this crazy stuff. And I, I you know, it's part of part of hustling as part of doing things and not thinking clearly and you know all these good things but all the all um, energy drinks messed you all the way up because all the hey man hey hey this is a disaster for recipe but this is a a real misadventure of just wow. hustling and um but luckily we got out of it alive it's crazy because the story the next day i come out to my car i turn around i look in the back seat and there's a wallet in there i was like wait I don't have a brown wallet. I opened it up 
and it was the guy. Because when we were wrestling, it fell out of him. Right? Wow. So I came around the, I, I, it was dark the night before. I came mm -hmm. around, opened the door. I saw his wallet. I saw his shoe print. And I saw his, um, his uh, freaking, um, I, I didn't realize this, but I had uh, un, un, um, his, uh, his clip, his gun clip had also oh. fell out in my car with all the bullets in there. And I was like, yo, hey, detective, <laughs> we got it. I was like, wow. And, and they got him. Like, it was crazy. That is a crazy case. That is that right there is a misadventure and stories that we've done so far. Um, that is really crazy. And it just shows like what I want to reiterate to the audience right now is just like it just shows your persistence. And even when one of the times got crazy, you kept going. And a lot of people would have let that kind of scare them into saying, you know, I gotta chill all the way out. But you have you have to realize and take you know the good from the situations, even the bad situations. They're still good, and you know from the good situations, also recognizing where you could improve. So just really happy you got out of that alive. You guys all were safe, um, and that is really the key. So now you know it's been a couple years with the O agency, and now you're launching this um, new the 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 B B Y O B brand, right? So how does yeah. that? Feel. Is it like a segment of the O agency? Is it more so like a passion project? Like how does that no, uh -huh. feel to be working? Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I, uh, it's both. I would definitely say it's a segment of the O agency, and it's also a huge passion project. I mean, look, we're we're almost doing the exact same thing, right? So you know, we work with so many high level. Um, whether it's athletes, earners, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and you know, we're doing all these things, and uh, we're learning, and we're 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 you know, we're growing, and. Um, a lot of it now is, you know, along the path, I've made uh, lots of just awesome relationships with a lot of people, um, probably in the same circle as you, to be honest, um, especially if you, you know, with you naming Anthony and, and, and John and all those people. I mean, a lot of just, you know, uh, dope founders, especially, you know, minority founders who have built uh, other six and seven figure businesses. And I wanted to really create a platform that really highlighted them. The main reason being is because it's the real deal, right? I think, you know, especially, you know, at, we're, we're growing and we're changing with the market, as you can tell about how I think, but even a year or two ago, like this whole like internet um, uh, coaching and there, there's so many things that are going online that I, I think it's very, very, it's really just people taking advantage of the market because of internet and, and accessing technology and, you know, and even just being an influencer, like what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? And so many people are caught up in this kind of bubble. Um, and, and what I want to do is I really want to create a space that's actually real. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's not, um, that's not, you know, and nothing bad to, to, to these, you know, uh, industries, whether it's network marketing or whether it's, you know, internet coaching and this and this and that, like nothing bad towards make money and how you make money. But I know because I've actually dabbled and been in those worlds that, you know, there are people like the success rate is, is, is so low, you know what I'm saying? And it's not a real thing. Um, and, and that's, and, and I think that, you know, we want to, for us, we really want to show people um, what the real deal is when it comes to building a business, uh, not only on a professional side, but a mental side, because it, it takes a lot of personal development also. Definitely. And so when we do our, when we do our conferences and retreats, it's like, you know, we had a, we had a vice team come down and do a mental health panel. You know, we had 
uh, um, Tanya from My Fat Finance, Dominique Broadway do, you know, uh, 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 personal financing and budgeting and how to save your for Like, there are so many things on a foundational level that needs to be understood and learned before you really jump into building a brand or a business. And so I'm not out here selling a dream. You know what I'm saying? I'm not out here selling, taking advantage of people just because I can. I'm really trying to educate the market. And that's where I think my impact is going to be made. And I might not make the most money, you know, although I probably could if I wanted to go down that route. I think I will um, be someone who's tremendously um, impactful on a lot of people's lives because of the programs and the opportunities that we rise and, and, and touch people with, with BYOB Live. Yeah, definitely. And I support that 100%. So over the last couple of years, I was telling you earlier when we were chatting, like I had my startup Alyssa in mind, and we did over 60 in-person events in like that three-year span. And it just really, and then I saw so many other people doing like, you know, selling the dream and not really selling, yeah. explaining the work and educating yeah. about the, the, the efforts and the knowledge yeah. that to go into the dream to make it happen. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why I'm like trying to bring forward this content because I'm like, everybody's online, everybody's doing these webinars and talks. So it's just like, here's the, you know, they're going to sugarcoat it. They're going to give you nothing but sugar, actually. It's just like a coffee with nothing but sugar in it. Like, here is, the, here is the bitter. Like, here, there's sweetness to it, too. But they so, have to realize that it's not just, okay, if I create an Instagram account and I open right. a Shopify store, that means I'm going to get followers and people are going to buy my stuff. You have to be out there putting in the work and just not thinking it's just going to happen one, two, three, and then also not giving up when it doesn't happen one, two, three. You have to, you know, DJ um, at your school. You have to cut hair. You have to work your day job and then make that make that money funnel into your side hustle. And then, like, this whole mentality about, like, quit your job, it, it's just like, what's wrong? No, if you quit your job, you, you're not. most of us don't have a security blanket. And just being realistic, like, if you hate your job, 100% like you can't stand it. Okay, quit your job, but get a new job at the fund. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just quit your job because, oh, you know, I'm going to sleep on a couch. Like, not everybody has a couch where you can sleep on. They're paying for yeah. it. You're just get it for free. So I think just reiterating, and I'm really proud of you for that, reiterating the education and the work that needs to go into, you know, getting it done. Um, I'm going to pause right here real quick because this thing is about to alarm in like 25 seconds. We hit 30 minutes to be fast. I'm going to ask you the last question, which is, um, no, no. I'm going to ask it. So, five, four, three, two, one. And we're cutting back in now. Um, and thank you so much for being here. And to start wrapping up, I have one final question to ask you. If you could give advice to any dreamers or doers or entrepreneurs out there, what type of advice would you give them? I hate this question. <laughs> I mean, I, we all do, but it's a question. No, it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's so it's um i mean I'll, I'll try i'll try to talk it out right um and sometimes you know sometimes i have like great points based on how i'm feeling right now um just with the market and with what i'm watching and seeing it's a very overarching question right so it's not specific but and it, and it covers so many things um potentially you know what what advice would i give people right now honestly um i think that i am very aware that um, I am very aware that what I'm doing now, honestly, you know, has been 10 years in the works, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, um, a lot, a lot of people, you know, think that, you know, 
again, I don't want to say it's an overnight success or blah, 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 whatever, like, like oh, he just popped out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, th- I think you really, really have to realize, and this is for a lot of people, I, I, I almost can guarantee, and I talk, and I have lots and lots and lots and lots of friends, like, the people who are really good at what they do, there is a whole history to them that you have no idea of. Mm-hmm. And um, literally, even the best and most popular, like I know like a lot of good people, like whether it's coaches or this or that, or, like whatever it is, like they have a history to them that you literally have no idea of. And so comparing yourself is the number one and worst thing that you could absolutely do. In fact, you know, what I, what, what the big thing that I would tell people, if you are new, if you were just beginning, my personal advice is to honestly like get off of social media and worry more about actually building something real and tangible, you know? Um, and because here's the thing that people don't realize, everybody wants a personal brand um, and we can even break this down. Like, it's not hard to build a following if you really understand why people follow you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's only but so many reasons why people follow you, right? Now, the uh, the easy one that everybody tries to play to, which is why everybody takes cute pictures, is if you're eye candy, you'll get a lot of followers, right? Whatever. Like, people, <laughs> because we're visual creatures that like this type of stimulation, whatever. Like, you know whatever it is, like, that's why there are a lot of Instagram models. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, not, not to say that's not a problem. If that's your lane, do your lane. They, in real life, should be models, right? And so they transcend that online, and that aligns with their brand. Now, for the 98% of the world that may or may not be professional models, you have to start thinking, like, okay, cool. Like, why does somebody follow me? I'm saying, why do people even care? You know what I'm saying? And if you don't fall under that boat, it's like, okay, cool. You know, there needs to be a level of, um, um, of, of, of separation and separation comes from credibility or separation comes from building something or doing something that somebody else hasn't done. And therefore, uh, people are like, yo, like, I'm intrigued by your life, or I want to learn how you did that, or, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. Now, if you haven't separated from yourself, like, there's nothing, there's not, there's like, there's no, there's no reason for people to follow you, you know what yeah. I'm saying, besides your close circle, right? I always say social media won't make or break you, it'll only optimize you, right? It'll only make what's real bigger, right? The problem is, if you suck in real life, get more <laughs> followers, means you're going to suck to more people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, right? Like, everybody wants really? so bad, not realizing that you're a, you're a product of, your following is a product of the value that you give to the world. You know what I'm saying? And if you're not at the place you want to be, don't blame or get upset. Understand how to, how to, how to give more value, mm-hmm. how to differentiate your product, how to grow. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I think that if you start thinking like that, the biggest thing that you'll gain, and I think that anybody who's around me will gain is this. I almost never complain about anything. Almost never. Because I, I understand that the world is fair. It's unfair. I'm sorry. I understand that 
there are every like there's so many things going against us especially if you're first generation this 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 and that especially if you're a minority like and so i don't get upset because i'm i'm in my mind i already know things are stacked against us you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying i already know that things are hard and so you have to really position yourself to be a constant problem solver you know what i'm saying and when you're in this mindset you, you then you start going about life like hmm this is just a game you know what I'm saying? How can I solve this problem? How can I solve that problem? How can I solve this problem? And then all of a sudden, you live this life that starts solving tons of problems, start helping people, and you naturally start, people naturally start gravitating towards you. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, like, this guy is just dope. He knows how to do this. He knows how to do that. He does this. He does that, not only for himself, but now he's showing other people. Like, naturally, you start to build and grow, and that's something that takes time. That's something that nobody really wants to um, to go through that whole process, but it, I guarantee it's the winning formula. I guarantee it because number one is I, I'm living it. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm literally living that life and um, you'll live a much, much, much happier life because even if you never reach your goal, um, you understand how to be, how to appreciate and be happy now because the hardest thing about building anything that's worth it, it's going to be hard, but mentally, if you're not able to withstand the journey, it makes it even harder, right? So it's already hard. Like four out of five businesses fail every three years. You know what I'm saying? It's already against you. And if again, if you're a minority or blah, blah, like it's even harder, right? And now mentally, if you can't successfully put yourself in the right mind frame, not only is it hard, but now you are making it harder for yourself. Mm-hmm. Double whammy. It's <laughs> literally a double whammy, right? Like, so... So when you take a step back, when you zoom out of your life and look at it from a higher level, you're like, okay, cool. Like, hmm, how can I really do this? And, and, it's, and it goes down to being strategic about everything. Like you said, quitting your job, not quitting your job, when to do this, when to do that, learning from the right people, being around the right people, like um, um, just completely letting go of just like, I think complaining is just the biggest thing. I don't like, by complaining less, you're naturally going to be happier. You know what I'm saying? So it's not even about forcing yourself to be happier. You'll just like learn how to like take things as they are. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? The only reason you complain or you're upset about something is because when something doesn't go as expected. And if you're in business, you should understand that nothing ever goes that expensive, right? So you're like setting yourself up to fail mentally if you don't understand that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm literally blabbing, but like all of this is just like, just like all of this is, 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 is advice that might not be like super practical or real. And I can give real advice, but it's just like, if you don't understand this, what happens is at one point it's going to get hard. And if you can't accept that or understand that, even if I give you a quick win right now, and I can, and I'll still leave here with a quick win. Even if I give you a quick win right now, you're going to face this point and then you're going to fail and then it's, or you're going to give up. And then, you know, all this was, you know, again, just worthless. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of like, that's, that's just like my, my thought process and goal. Like, and, but what happens is I'll, t- I'll take it back. If you do build something, if you do become good at something, if you do start making money, it's so easy to build a personal brand because you've separated yourself from the pack, you know what I'm saying? Like people then become naturally attracted to you. I don't care if you want to go around and take pictures with nice cars. You'll start getting more followers because that's just a na- that's human nature. Like mm-hmm. how is this guy making this much money? How is he traveling all the time? Like whether you work in a career or you start your own business, it doesn't really matter. Building a personal brand is not hard because the mass market are followers. They follow, they follow what appeals to them. 
whether it's from an emotional, from a gut level, heart level, mind level, or physical level. That's why people follow you. And so um, when you understand that, you, you understand, okay, cool. Let me, let me take a step back in order to take 10 steps forward. But, you know, all that. Um, if I did want to give something very, very tangible, um, I will say this. I mean, this is something that I'm implementing. And if you look at my stuff, and I would recommend to anybody, I think one thing that people should start doing right now is uh, uh, long-form captions. I think um, if you're in the business to attract um, smart, um, uh, just highly, potentially highly high quality buyers. Um, I think one thing you absolutely should do is start be better at storytelling, which means you should, you should write long captions. The reason being is because you want people to spend more time reading, listening, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. absorbing your, like if people are just swiping through and just clicking like and swim past every, like they are superficial followers. Yep. But if people are reading your stuff, it's use it like a blog, get people ingrained. It's depth versus width. And by automatically switching from writing cute little rap quotes to <laughs> long form captions, you will start training your audience to care more about you. And that care is what ultimately is going to allow you to convert or educate or do whatever you want with your audience. And I, I guarantee that's what I do. Like, that's why everything I do is long form captions. And um, I, think, I think that if you make that one switch, that's something very easy that you can do that will make, help you form a deeper relationship with your 100, 200, 500, and they will make you care about you more and they will allow other people to, to know about you, share you and care about you more. Yeah, and then just to add on like a little bit to that, and it, it also makes you give more, right? Instead of just, hey, this is like one little thing. It makes you think about and be intentional about what you say and how you say it and just getting the, the truth going out there. Absolutely. A hundred percent, yo. Yeah, so definitely thank you so, so much for being here today, Andrew. Um, guys that are watching and listening, his information is going to be in the caption and comment section and also more information about the retreat next year. So check that out when, um, when you finish watching the video. And thank you guys for watching this episode. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.